the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Terry Fay, General Manager of KKLA. This week marks the 20th anniversary of 9-11. In the weeks following the attack on the World Trade Center, we received a poem written from God's perspective of the victims and survivors of 9-11. We asked Bob Holliday, our producer at the time, to voice it and add music. The piece went viral and was played on radio stations around the world. Psalm 23 came to mind as I heard this, Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. This piece is entitled, Meet Me in the Stairwell. You say you'll never forget where you were when you heard the news on September 11th, 2001. Neither will I. I was on the 110th floor in a smoke-filled room with a man who called his wife to say goodbye. I held his fingers steady as he dialed. I gave him the peace to say, Honey, I'm not going to make it. But it's okay, I'm ready to go. I was with his wife when he called as she fed breakfast to their children. I held her up as she tried to understand his words. And as she realized he wasn't coming home that night. I was in the stairwell of the 23rd floor when a woman cried out to me for help. I've been knocking on the door of your heart for 50 years. I said, of course, I'll show you the way home. Only believe in me now. I was at the base of the building when the priest ministered to the injured and devastated souls. I took him home to tend his flock in heaven. He heard my voice and answered. I was on all four of those planes, in every seat, with every prayer. I was with the crew as they were overtaken. I was in the very hearts of the believers there, comforting and assuring them that their faith has saved them. I was in Texas, Kansas, London, I was standing next to you when you heard the terrible news. Did you sense me? I want you to know that I saw every face. I knew every name, though not all know me. Some met me for the first time on the 86th floor. Some sought me with their last breath. 
Some couldn't hear me calling to them through the smoke and flames. Come to me. This way. Take my hand. Some chose, for the final time, to ignore me. But I was there. I did not place you in the tower that day. You may not know why, but I do. However, if you were there in that explosive moment in time, would you have reached for me? September 11th, 2001 was not the end of the journey for you. But someday your journey will end, and I'll be there for you as well. Seek me now while I may be found. Then, at any moment, you know you're ready to go. I will be in the stairwell of your final moments. Southern California. This is Pastor Alan Jackson. I have the privilege of filling in today on Southern California Live. What a powerful reminder of 9-11. The events of that day have impacted our lives. It's almost impossible to believe we've got a whole generation of Americans now for whom that's a memory. It's not a part of their life experience. They put it in the same bucket of ideas with Vietnam or World War I. But for many of us, the memories of 9-11-2001 shaped how we understood ourselves and those years that have intervened. I've asked you to say a prayer with me today, and a prayer I hope you'll take with you throughout the weekend. God bless America again. He's blessed our nation over and over and over again through our history. And we have we've come to a place now where I don't believe there is a path forward without the blessing of God. The problems before us are not going to be solved by politicians. We'll need God's blessing. He may use politicians to bring those resolutions, but it will start in the hearts of God's people, and it will be his power that comes to us that brings us a better future. If you remember where you were when you first heard the news about 9-11, when you first saw the image of that plane when it flew into that first, that North Tower, if you do, I wish you'd give me a call. I'd like to hear your story, how you felt when you heard it, what your response was that day and in those days that followed. Give us a call at 888-52-TALKS or 888-526-2557. Take a moment. You've got a recall election coming up next week. It could be as momentous as 9-11, I suppose. It's certainly going to change the direction of California with the choices you make. If you want to give me a call and talk about the decision that's causing you to participate in the election, we sit out too many elections and just hold our opinions, but we don't express our opinions with the effort it takes to go vote. I hope you won't do that. You'll get off the sidelines and be a participant. Either way, if you'll give me a call, it's 888-52-TALKS or 888-526-2557. I'd love to hear where you were on 9-11 or how you're going to vote or what's caused you to vote in this election. It makes a difference when God's people take their place. 
I want to read you a passage of Scripture, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain, or I command the locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Those are God's words, not mine. What encourages me with those words is the outcome of our lives isn't dependent upon the strength of our enemy or our own weakness, or our own discouragement. The outcome of our lives depends upon the attitude of our hearts. If we will humble ourselves and pray and seek the face of the Lord, he said he'd bring healing to us, he'd forgive our sin, and he would heal our land. Now that is an exciting opportunity, folks. Our future depends on the condition of our heart. God bless America again. That's our prayer today and our prayer through the weekend. We're not asking him to do something new or recreate the wheel. We're just asking him to once again bring his blessings to us as a people. In 1782, the United States Congress voted this resolution. I quote, The Congress of the United States recommends and approves the Holy Bible for use in all schools. End quote. That's almost incomprehensible today, isn't it? That the Congress would say, use the Bible in the schools. We've got to be careful not to give away that future. God is watching over us. In 1963, the Supreme Court ruled that the Bible reading was outlawed as unconstitutional in the public school system. And the court offered this justification. Again, I quote, if portions of the New Testament were read without explanation, they could and have been psychologically harmful to children. That's quite a switch in the national mindset. We lost our biblical worldview. Folks, that's not the fault of the Supreme Court. That reflects the heart of our nation. It's time for the church to humble ourselves and seek the Lord. We're remembering 9-11 today and through this weekend, those people that made the ultimate sacrifice that we could have liberties and freedoms. We don't want to forget or take them for granted. And I hope you'll take time this weekend to offer that simple prayer. God bless America again. It makes a difference when God's people pray. It changes everything. You know, I studied at Hebrew University in Jerusalem, so I had the privilege of living in the land of Israel for about a year. And I learned some lessons during that season far beyond a classroom that have changed my life. The Israelis are a nation of travelers. They are truly a global people. But they have a unique love and appreciation for one another and for their nation. Now, I can tell you, if somebody's been there, they will fight amongst themselves with some tremendous intensity. It can be a little unsettling if you're just visiting. But they'll stand together to defend one another against outsiders with an even greater ferocity. And I, I miss that a bit in our own nation. We have become so divided. In fact, I think there are powerful forces working in our midst to bring division to us. They'll divide us along political lines. They'll divide us around something as terrifying as a pandemic. It's unthinkable to me that we would use COVID-19, something that's threatened our well-being as individuals, the health of our families, the stability of our nation, that we would use something like COVID-19 to bring division. It's unacceptable to me. In fact, when I think back to 9-11, one of my best memories is in the days and the weeks following those attacks on our World Trade Center and the Pentagon and those other expressions on that day was the way that we came together as a people. You know, I was... That day, I remember where I was. I was on a staff retreat 
and we were uh, had had left the city where I live, and we took a break from a meeting, and I stepped out. There was a television in a public place, and we saw a replay of that first plane flying into the North Tower. And we quickly closed up our stuff and headed back to the office. And for the next few days, we watched people show up at church just spontaneously to pray. People who weren't a part of our congregation recognized the needs for people in our community to come together. I wonder how you remember 9-11. You want to tell me about it? Give us a call at 888-52-TALKS or 888-526-2557. One of the most frustrating things for me right now is we're using the current pandemic to bring division. Folks, if this is a true threat to us, we'll work together. The science isn't different in California and Tennessee. We don't need one set of responses in one state and a different set of responses in another state. If we're truly following the science, we ought to be able to work through this protocol together and get better together and come through the confusion together. Enough of the division. God bless America again is our way through this. It's going to take some courage on our part. We're going to have to regain a little bit of our sense of national pride. The blessings and freedoms and liberties we have are worth fighting for. I'm opposed to those who criticize our story and our outcomes. They have an agenda, and I believe they're deceptive in the way they report their facts. We're a nation that emerged from a desire for religious freedom. William Bradford, the Separatists, the Puritans, there were many others. In truth, we're a nation of immigrants. We've come from the nations of the world. And typically, we came to this continent because we were fleeing from something. Famine, oppression, something brought us here. We're not bound together because we look the same or we have the same accent or we share a common ethnic heritage. We gathered in this land to pursue the idea which launched our nation. You know it. You've heard it many times. I hope you heard it in school. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If you don't know, that's Thomas Jefferson, and that's the Declaration of Independence. That shapes our future. Please note, Jefferson recognized a creator and rights which come from that creator. They don't come from the government. The government doesn't give us freedom and liberty. That comes from God. And if we take God out of the government, they'll take away our freedom and liberty. That's the role of the church. The politicians want power. That's why they typically run for office, and it's certainly why they stay there. But you and I, as people of faith, can see that there's a conscience in our government that watches over the liberties of the people. I think we've got a caller on line one. Maybe we can hear where they were when 9-11 took place. Yeah, hi, how's it going? Going great, how are you? Oh, I'm good, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I was just, um, I just turned on the, the channel and I was uh, impacted uh, very quickly about the conversation about um, the Bibles coming out of the schools. I was uh, born in 1992, I'm 29 years old, um, fairly, fairly uh, of the newer generation, and I remember in um, high school when actually the Bibles were being outlawed, and um, for whatever reason, I had a Bible with me, and I remember that uh, anxious feeling of having a Bible with me and feeling that I was having to hide something. However, that's not the reason why I called, but, but um, I remember on 9-11, I was um, in fifth grade, and um, they, you know, it was just such a, such a day of, um, of melancholy. And what, what I think is the reason why I called, actually, was because I remember the way that our nation got together uh, just neighborhood to neighborhood, and, um, you know, being Absolutely. outside with the, the candles at night and singing music. Um, even then, you know, there were neighbors that came into our house that we never met before. There was a uh, a, 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 a great sweep of, of neighborly love. 
and um, compassion. And um, now falling out of uh, the Middle East the way that we have, uh, it kind of brings on that same feeling of, of melancholy, you know, that great uh, gravity of um, confusion and uh, terror. And um, all that's left really is just uh, the missing link is coming together as a nation again. Well, the good news is the same spirit that brought us together on 9-11 is still alive and at work within God's people today. And I believe if we can recognize that and humble ourselves, we can stand together again. We'll, we'll defeat this pandemic. We can see COVID's power broken over us just the way we recovered from the attack on those Twin Towers. Thank you for taking that call. I hope we'll see our Bibles in schools again. We can start that trend right now ourselves. I think we've got another caller on line two. Hello, Mary. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, how are you, Pastor? I'm doing very well. How are you today? I'm good and very warm. Are you in California? No, I am in Nashville. And through the help of some really clever engineers, I'm just visiting with you in California. You know, I have to tell you, when I first turned it on, I said, oh, that's Dudley Rutford from Shepherd," And I said, no, wait a minute, that's Pastor Allen, because I listen to you almost all the time. But you know what? You're absolutely right. I was just so devastated, and I, I changed the channel. I couldn't believe my eyes. Getting ready for work. I'm a nurse. I used to work at Kaiser. I'm retired now couple years ago and I was just devastated and I'm getting ready and I'm still watching the screen and then all of a sudden the second one and I thought oh my god what's going on and I was just I couldn't believe it happened in the United States of America yeah it seemed like it took our collective breath away to to watch that happen that day yeah and as you were saying the churches seemed to be so filled and and there was such a, it seemed like there was more of a unity. But I have to tell you right now, we have an election coming up, and and I pray that God has his will done, because we need help in this state. And, and I don't feel safe in this country anymore, on one hand. But on the other hand, Pastor, I know that no matter what happens, God has me in his hands. He has his children in his hands. And I know God sometimes will allow things to happen because people won't wake up. But, Mary, I think we are waking up. And I think it's not just in Southern California. I think all across our nation. In fact, I took these last two days to be a part of Southern California Live because I thought it was important enough for those of you in Southern California to know there are people in Tennessee and across our nation praying for your election next week. You're not alone. We stand united under the Lordship of Jesus. The one who watches over us never slumbers nor sleeps. Those who work in opposition to the worldview that you hold and that I hold, they discount our boss. They imagine that he's some concoction of people who don't have the emotional stability to navigate life without a faith in a living God. They don't understand. But you and I have been awakened to a reality that there's a power greater than political power or economic power or the power of the media. Those are all real things. I'm not diminishing them or denying them. But the power of Almighty God is at work on behalf of his people. So I pray those of you in Southern California are planning to participate in the election. God brought us through the trauma of 9-11. He's going to deliver us from the trauma of COVID. He has a plan for us. Again, I'm asking you to pray a little prayer with me. God bless America again. 
not just today, but right through the weekend. Maybe you want to pull in a young person. You know, if they're high school age or younger, the 9-11 event is just a historical idea to them. It's no more real than Vietnam to them. For those of us that experienced it, it, it's etched in our memories forever. But sit with a younger person. Tell them the story, where you were, what happened, how you felt, how we responded. I, I tell you, we will defeat COVID when we find that same kind of unity again. This division around masks and vaccines is ungodly. It's not helpful. It's not following the science. I'm an advocate for science. I started my academic career in the basic sciences. My father was a veterinarian. I understand that diagnostic model. But we've got to find a way to stand together under the authority of Jesus' name. We'll come through this pandemic. God will bring us through. We have a uniquely beautiful nation. We need to celebrate it. Mile upon mile of beautiful beaches. Those of you in California know this. We have great lakes, majestic mountains, the Rockies, the Grand Tetons, the Smokies, the Ozarks, vast deserts, beautiful forests. God has blessed America. We have enjoyed freedoms and liberties most have only dreamed about. We're farmers and factory workers and scientists. We're explorers. We've been to the moon, literally. We live in crowded cities and we spread across the vast prairies. We believed in marriage between a man and a woman. We believed in family and the importance of keeping our word. Wherever you travel in America, you see churches, historic churches, new churches. We see scripture verses carved in the stone of our public buildings, public monuments honoring our faith and values. We're a creative, innovative people. Our values have enabled that innovation. Alexander Graham Bell, Henry Ford, George Washington Carver, Garrett Morgan. If you don't know that name, he's responsible for the three-light traffic signal. We put men on the moon and the Hubble telescope in space. We built railroads, ships, rockets, and jet engines. Famous U.S. inventions like chocolate chip cookies. That's one of my favorites. Hearing aids, cardiac defibrillators, radiocarbon dating, traffic lights, crash test dummies, microwave ovens. We've done all that stuff. We're builders. We built bridges from the Golden Gate to the Brooklyn Bridge to the Seven Mile Bridge through the Florida Keys. We build buildings, the Empire State Building, the Gateway Arch in St. Louis, the Space Needle in Seattle. We've built space shuttles and space stations. We built Disneyland and Disney World. We built Ferris wheels. That's an American invention. We built the personal computer and cell phones, and that has changed our world. And we've done all of this because God has blessed us, and I believe he would desire to bless us again. Our nation needs you to stand firm in your faith. Read your Bible. Think about what you read. Get your friends together and pray. Talk about what you see and hear. Tell the truth to one another. It's Pastor Alan Jackson. I've got the privilege of filling in today on Southern California Live. I hope you'll be back here in just a moment. Hello, Southern California. This is Pastor Alan Jackson. It's my privilege to be filling in today on Southern California Live. I hope you're in your car headed towards some fabulous weekend, or at least you're making plans for a fantastic weekend someplace. It's my privilege to spend a few minutes with you, and with the help of some really clever engineers, I'm able to do that from a studio in Nashville, Tennessee. So God bless you. It's good to be with you today. We're talking a little bit about 9-11. Do you remember where you were when you saw that first image or you first heard about that plane flying into the North Tower? If you do and you want to tell me about it, give me a call at 888-52-TALKS or 888-526-2557. 
You've got a recall election coming up next week. You're going to choose a governor, somebody who's going to shape your future for the next season. If if you're planning to participate, I'd like to hear about why, what it is that has caused you to get off of your good intentions and to actually participate in the election. I hope you won't be just a spectator. I've given you a prayer. I'm asking you to pray with me today, and I hope you'll take it with you through the weekend and recruit somebody else to pray it with you a few times. It's really simple. God bless America again. The reality is God has blessed our nation over and over again since our inception. In fact, you can trace our history almost by the movings of God in in the midst of us as a people. We've arrived at a place where we need his blessings right now. No politician is going to fix our problems. The scientists aren't going to defeat COVID alone. I'm grateful for all the work they do and for all of our health care providers and the people that work so diligently in those arenas. We have the finest health care system in the world, but we need God's help to defeat this virus. It may have started in Wuhan, China, but it's going to be defeated by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to read you a verse. It's from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. One of the most famous passages, one of the most celebrated passages in the book of Deuteronomy. It's the Shema. Hear, O Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. It's an instruction that we keep God in the midst of our lives. We don't relegate him to a few minutes on the weekend when we sit in a special building or when we turn on a service on our computer but that we actually talk to our children and the young people around us, not just your children, talk to the children about who God is and the role he has in your lives. There is no way to tell the story of our nation apart from the Christian faith. Our faith has shaped the direction of this nation, and our future needs to be shaped by that same faith. That's why we're praying, God bless America again. I think we've got a 9-11 story. Somebody on line one. Hello, Jessica, and welcome to Southern California Live. This is Pastor Allen. Hi, Pastor. Um, I'm calling because uh, the topic definitely hits home. I clearly remember what was going on. Um, I was a senior in high school, and um, I every day would turn on the TV to see what the weather was going to be for the day, and the first tower was hit when I had woken up. And I'm watching it, and I'm not really understanding what's going on to awaken my parents or anyone else in the house. And um, then I saw the second plane hit. And my family is from New York, uh, born and raised. And I really, I did not, it didn't register until um, phone calls started coming in from my relatives from the East Coast. And everyone was pretty frantic um, because I had cousins that would commute um, by themselves on the train. And I have had an uncle at the time who was a UPS driver. And we really did not know, um, really didn't know where people were. Phone lines were, it was just hard to communicate with everyone. And it was panic and um then realizing that it was intentional was um, kind of put us in fear here, like thinking, what's going to happen next? We're in L.A., we're in a major city as well. My mom worked downtown at the time. And just just being having no peace of mind whatsoever. Um, and then going to school and just wishing that some 
ones like a teacher would put a TV on, like just completely no peace or peace of mind at the time. Um, and so I think with where our nation is today, um, I, I really wish that the younger generation knew what it was to go through that because I think you would appreciate this country so much more um, than letting the division that's going on really dictate what's going on in the United States. I think you're right, Jessica. You know, I have those same memories of watching that first plane and then the second plane, and it, it was felt like a fantasy. And as I watched, I remember I couldn't quite, I couldn't process it to catch up with the events. Like it didn't occur to me immediately that that was a fatal blow to those towers. And so the horror when you watched the, the reality of those fires and the heat with they were burnt, which, which they were burning and the terrible suffering that was to come and then the panic that spread across. It started in the city, it seemed, but then it spread across our whole nation. It was like fear settled over us like a blanket. But the outcome of that was this remarkable unity that came to us. And for several days, it, you know, it seemed to me that it stretched into two or three weeks that we actually stood together. We set apart our differences, and we stood together and began to quietly ask God for his mercy and his protection. There's a difference in the heart of our nation today. We're facing a threat that's just as real and just as devastating as what we faced on 9-11. But we're divided. You know, rather than, and, and fear, is, I think, is pervasive right now. In some ways, I think it's even greater than it was on 9-11 because it's persisted so long. I think we have some fatigue that has come with this current pandemic. They tell us to follow the science, but our leaders aren't doing that because the science isn't different in California and Tennessee. Science is science. It doesn't change with who the political leader is in a particular state or city or county or region. And so there's so many forces that are pulling and dividing us. It's why I think the church has such an essential role. The influence of Christianity in our nation has been more than about where we sat on Sunday morning or the music that we preferred to listen to, or a dress code. It's been a worldview that has shaped how we see one another, how we value one another, and it's enabled us to overcome enemy after enemy after enemy. We need the church to be alive and real and vital today in a whole new way. God is faithful, and he'll bring us through. Patrick Henry, do you remember him? You probably remember his famous quote, "'Give me liberty or give me death.'" But you need the larger part of that. The couple sentences in front of that, Patrick Henry said, an appeal to arms and the God of hosts is all that's left us. But we shall not fight our battle alone. There's a just God that presides over the destinies of nations. The battle, sir, is not to the strong alone. Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Now, they're not putting those sentences any longer in our textbooks. That's unfortunate, but it's a part of our heritage. And I think it's appropriate for us to say, God bless America again. That's my prayer today. I hope you'll join me in that prayer, and you'll invite some other people to pray it with you through the weekend. There's an important reason for this. You know, it only takes three generations to lose an idea completely, for it to disappear from the memory of a people. 9-11 is about to slip away from us as a people. We're not but a couple of generations from that being, we're losing that real memory. It's important that our stories of faith, taking your Bible to school, praying in school. When I was a kid, we prayed in schools. We took Bibles to school. We read scripture verses in schools. And I'm not that old. My father was a veterinarian. 
he had an equine practice. That means he only treated horses. So I grew up around horse barns and with horses and saddling horses and taking care of horses. It's as natural to me as getting in a car. Well, that, that makes me a little old school. You know, for thousands of years, the fastest means of transport, land transportation available to a human being was a fast horse. Genghis Khan, the Mongol invader, the Apostle Paul, and my grandfather all share something in common. They rode a horse. Well, I can saddle a horse or put a bridle on a horse, but I doubt there's a dozen people standing very close to you that could do that today. We've lost that life skill, even though it filled our lives for thousands and thousands of years. We've got to be willing to take our Bibles into the public square, to take Jesus out of a Sunday morning worship service and bring him into where we work or into our neighborhoods or to the ball teams where our children are engaged, or we will lose the idea of our faith. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and one of the things they celebrate around here these days is Nashville hot chicken. If you want a little Nashville hot chicken, you can, and you've got a smartphone and Grubhub, you're in business. My grandmother didn't know how to get chicken that way. If she wanted fried chicken, she went out in the backyard and caught a chicken, wrung its neck, dressed that chicken, fried it, and if she wanted hot sauce on it, she put it there. Well, most of us these days think chicken comes from a grocery store wrapped in plastic. Now, we may prefer it to be range-free and antibiotic-free, but we'd be a little intimidated if we had to go catch a real one and, and turn that into Nashville hot chicken. It's an idea we've just about lost, and I'm concerned that we will lose our faith if we don't take it out of the church and bring it back into the marketplace and back into the public square and back into the public schools. We need to begin to say together, God bless America again. We will not flourish apart from his blessings. We don't all have to read the same translation of the Bible or all agree on which day to take communion or prefer the same worship music, but we can stand together under the lordship of Jesus of Nazareth, proclaim him as Christ, Lord, and King, and invite his power into our lives. The challenge facing us as a nation is not the depravity of the wicked, the hardness of the heart of the immoral. It's the indifference of the faithful. If we will humble ourselves and pray, I'm confident God will bless America again. This is Pastor Alan Jackson. I've got the privilege of filling in today on Southern California Live. We'll be right back here in just a moment. I hope you'll join us. Hello, Southern California. This is Pastor Alan Jackson, and I have the privilege today of filling in on Southern California Live. I've been asking you to join me in a little prayer today and take it with you through the weekend. God bless America again. Dave, you've been holding online. Thank you for your patience. How are you today, Dave? You're this welcome. is Pastor Allen. Good. I'm, hey, Pastor Allen. Nice to meet you. Actually, actually, nice to talk to you. Good to I talk to you. listening to your ministry, and I appreciate it a lot. Real quick, I just wanted to briefly tell you about my experience for 9-11. Please. And then from there... Um, I want to just ask you one question. It shouldn't take more than a minute. Basically, I was 39 years old. I was taken off to an early morning Bible study, about 6.30 in the morning. And then I hear President Bush getting on the radio, and he was saying that a plane hit one of the Twin Towers, and I thought it was almost like a dress rehearsal. It didn't sound real. So I go into the Bible study, and I said to the, you know, the people in my study, I a plane hit the Twin Towers, but we really didn't know much about, 
it was it a an airline jet was it a Cessna we didn't really know so the Bible study concluded I drove back home and then saw the uh, second tower being hit um, obviously uh, sick to my stomach but as time went on throughout the day I suddenly felt that patriotic feeling of we we need to defend our country uh, my dad was a Korean War vet saw action so I don't know if that uh, stemmed from uh, his genes or not but Certainly, I felt this a desire to uh, go out and do what it took, do do what it takes to obviously defend our country against the attack. Now, um, all that said, there's a lot of uh, Christians uh, posting things about, you know, uh, praying for their enemies. I have I had somebody say, "Pray for the Taliban." Well, you know, the the precatory. Psalms like Psalm 69, Psalm 109, a few others. Even uh, Jesus was uh, quoting some of the Psalms in John, and I believe in even Paul in Romans. Uh, and of course, Jesus is saying, "Pray for your enemies and love thy enemies." Can you tell me and break down the difference between, you know, the precatory Psalms, you know, of what was being referred to there? In other words the enemies of God, and praying for your enemies. I mean, should we really be praying for the Taliban, or should we uh, want to annihilate the Taliban? That's a really good question, Dave. And I, it's, it's one I think we have to unpack with a little detail. You know, Psalm 35, it's one of those psalms you're talking about. It says, May those who seek my life be disgraced and be put to shame. May those who plot my ruin be turned back in dismay. Now, Jesus told us to, to pray for our enemies, and I think we have that assignment. I read a verse a few minutes ago from, from Timothy where it says we have to pray for those in authority over us. And sometimes we have ungodly people in authority over us. But we still have an assignment to pray for them, that through those people, God will bring about outcomes that let his purposes come forth. So I think we can pray for our enemies with compassion. I pray for the Taliban. I pray that the Spirit of God will be poured out upon Afghanistan, and there will be a change of hearts in the men and the women who live there, so that those young people and those people that are oppressed and diminished by that murderous spirit that has so much authority there right now will have a different future. But the fact that we pray for our enemies doesn't mean we yield to them. You know, Jesus, when he was stood before Pilate, and Pilate said to him, Don't you know I have the authority to have you crucified or to have you released? Then Jesus said, well, you don't have any power or authority over me except what my Father has given to you. In fact, when he's in Gethsemane and they come to arrest him, and Peter draws his sword, he tries to defend his friend, and all he manages to do is cut off somebody's ear. I don't think his target was the ear. And Jesus said, Peter, put away your sword. If I wanted to, I could call as many as 12 legions of angels. A Roman legion had as many as 6,000 troops in it. Jesus had 70,000 angels at his disposal in his personal protection detail. So he didn't go with those who came to arrest him because he was powerless or without help. So we can pray for our enemies that they will have a revelation of Jesus that will change their futures without submitting to the murderous authority or intent in their heart. But that's not always an easy thing to do. You know, sometimes in the places where we work, we have people that seem we're like in an adversarial relationship with. And we still have a responsibility to pray for them with mercy and compassion, but it doesn't mean we have to yield to ungodliness and immorality and wickedness. 
In fact, I think that little prayer I've been asking everybody to pray all day today with me is, God bless America again. We have a heritage of a Christian nation. It's the reason we've been able to stand together. We're not bound together because our skin is the same color or our accents are the same or we have come. It's not that we have generation upon generation upon generation of a common heritage. America is a melting pot. What has bound us together has been the Christian faith. Now, we've never been an exclusively Christian nation, but we have been a nation who has purposefully chosen to submit ourselves to do a Judeo-Christian worldview. Our legal system, our educational system, all of those things have been shaped by that biblical worldview. And the further we get away from that biblical worldview, the more ashamed we become of it, the further we will come from the blessings of God. So I think it's appropriate to be saying that little prayer together. And this is Pastor Alan Jackson. I have the privilege of being with you on Southern California Live today. I'm filling in. It's been an honor for me as we're thinking about 9-11 and the impact it had on our nation and how it has shaped us in those years that have intervened. I'm asking you to pray a little prayer with me as we walk through this 9-11 weekend. God bless America again. We're not asking to do something new. God has blessed our nation over and over and over again from the time the the Puritans came here and William Bradford all the way through the various seasons of our history, the best things that have come to us have come through the blessing of God. One of our most celebrated and appropriately so presidents was Abraham Lincoln. He led our nation through one of its darkest seasons. The Gettysburg Address is one of his most celebrated speeches. The, the introductory sentence I hope is familiar to you. I hope you learned it in school. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. What a powerful idea at a time when the fabric of our nation was being torn apart. Lincoln used his powerful skills and the force of his will and his leadership to bring healing to our nation. We need that leadership today. I pray when you go to the participate in the election next week, that God leads you to choose a leader for the state of California that will bring unity under the blessing of Almighty God. Don't dare vote for a leader who stands opposed to a biblical worldview. If we deny God and turn our backs on his definitions of family and his definitions of morality, we cannot anticipate his blessings. We don't stand in perfection. The church is a broken place. We're more a hospital than we are a hall of fame. But in our brokenness, the power of God is made evident. And God can use imperfect leaders to lead us to his best place. But don't intentionally choose leaders that deny a biblical worldview and expect God's blessings to come upon us. Lincoln went on to say in that address something that I think is appropriate for us today. He said, in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us the living to be dedicated to the unfinished work which they who have fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. That's our assignment. Folks, we can't just consume liberty and freedom. We can't stamp our feet like petulant children and demand our rights and privileges. 
unless we're willing to accept the responsibilities of being a godly nation. That's the role of the church. It's nonsense to think we can separate the state and the church. If the church doesn't have influence in the state, the state will become increasingly an authoritative, overbearing, power-accumulating oppressor. The church has an assignment to be the conscience of our culture. But to do that, we have to submit ourselves to the lordship of Jesus. We can't be one way at church and another way in the marketplace. So it begins with the repentance in the church. If we will humble ourselves and pray, God will help us. We're walking through a difficult season. We're experiencing an undeclared revolution, an attempt to throw off the mantle of our Judeo-Christian heritage and redefine family, morality, our social contract. There are weapons being utilized which we haven't imagined previously. We're watching without embarrassment or shame, censorship, propaganda, intimidation, threats, manipulation, violence, attempts to dismantle authority. All of those things are on full display around us these days. But our response must change. We've been content to occupy our place in a worship service and imagine others were standing guard over the spiritual fabric of our lives. We've been awakened to the necessity to use our voices and our influence to stand for our faith and our Lord. You've got an opportunity next week to participate in an election. It's a great privilege and a freedom. Use your voice. Use your influence. Talk to your friends. Gather your friends. Go vote together. Celebrate. Most of all, pray. You've got days to pray. Ask the Lord for his blessing upon our nation. Our faith is needed to provide moral direction and authority to our government. The best expressions of our nation's progress have come from our faith on display. Civil rights, the protection of our children, many other blessings. The Christian faith in the public arena makes a difference. This is Pastor Alan Jackson. It's been my privilege to fill in with you today on Southern California Live. I want you to know you're not alone, that we stand together, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and freedom for all. God bless America again. I believe he has, and I believe he will again. Thank you for spending this time with me. Have a great weekend, and God bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.